Amen. I wonder if we can just invite Jesus into this place for a moment and just invite him into our hearts right now. I know we've just come from a time of prayer, but Jesus is here in this place, and he's here for you and he's here for me. Amen? Amen. I'm so thankful for his presence, and I'd like to welcome you all here this morning to our first word this morning, uh, the time that we have together. And for those of you that are joining us online, whether it be your first time joining us or your fifth time joining us, we are so glad that you are, and we can't wait to see you if you haven't made it here yet. Amen. And may you feel his presence today and every day. I'm in great anticipation for all that God wants to share here this morning, uh, here during our first word, and flowing right into our worship service. Um, I do want to take just a moment here to tell you that this week on Tuesday is the Church of Omaha's 24th anniversary. 24 years. And I know I can speak for a lot, if not all of you, when I say that I am thankful for the Church of Omaha. I am thankful that I walked through the doors, and whether you've been here for longer than I have, or whether you've been here for just a few times, I am thankful that I walked through the door here uh, some 10 years ago and experienced that hope and healing. You know those words you see out in front? There is hope and healing in the house of the Lord. There is hope and healing promised through Jesus Christ here for you today. Amen. My scripture for this morning can be found in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, and let's stand for the reading of the word. I've got just a few verses here, and I want to begin with verse number 26. Genesis 1, 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And then Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And as you're taking your seats for a moment of our time that we have together, I am going to preach and teach on this topic. Made, stayed, and restored. Made, stayed, and restored. Let us pray. Jesus, I thank you for your word which has the power to save, deliver, and heal. I thank you for your word which brings change where change is needed. Lord, right now we take every single thought captive and bring it into your obedience. I cast down every imagination and high thing that exalts itself against you and release your truth. Lord, let your written word preach the spoken word today and help us all to continually be made in your image and likeness. We thank you, Lord, and give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Made, stayed, and restored. Today will be the day that those who need to be reminded of just why they are made will receive that reminder and leave here today changed. Today will be the day that those who need to pick themselves back up again and draw closer to Jesus will do so today. And I believe that today there will be those who will receive the engrafted word and will be filled, refilled, renewed, and restored according to his word. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. When we read from our text... This account of creation, of man being made in the image of God, that is, there, there, there's something there that we can all grasp in the sense that God made us for a reason. 
God made us for a purpose. And furthermore, God made us on purpose. It was not an accident. It doesn't matter if you were unplanned here on earth. Because I've got news for you. God didn't make a mistake on you. He created you. He formed you in your mother's womb. He formed you for a purpose. He formed you with Him in mind. He made you in His image. He made you in His likeness. And understanding that you are made in His image, you, child of God, were created to worship Him. From the very dawn of creation, as we read, Adam and Eve had perfect fellowship with God. They obeyed Him and lived according to His Word and how He wanted them to live. Now, we know that humanity fell, but that does not change the reason for His creation. For you and for me. Today, some find themselves worshiping many things but God. Many may make claim to not worship anything, but everyone worships something. So much as to say that since we were created as worshipers, we have a desire to do just that. Worship. To invest our time, to invest our efforts in something. And if we are not filling that need, that desire to worship Him by worshiping Him, then who, I ask you, who or what are you worshiping? We were created to worship the Lord. It's not any wonder that He's a jealous God. And He created us in such a way. He's not jealous in the sense that you may be thinking, but He desires so heavily as the Creator, you, as His creation, to worship Him. And worship has many elements to it, which I won't touch on a whole lot today. But, but when you receive that understanding that you are made to worship Him, I can see some of you wanting to get up and maybe do one of those praise breaks. Maybe not now, but maybe in a few moments. I can see some of you maybe wanting to clap a little louder and raise your voices a little louder or jump a little higher or sing a little louder. However, you've got to do it to give Him that much more praise, to give Him that much more of your worship, where you stand before Him in humble adoration, where you stand before Him and desire to give that much more in your worship to Him. You might expend yourself in worship to the King, but as you do that, so He fills you up again. He'll never leave you empty as you expend yourself for Him he fills you up, and then you take on more of Him. You take on His image, His image that He created you to reflect to begin with. We are created to reflect His image. There are often times where, many times if you will, that, that people say, that was a great word, Trevor, and I'm like, nope, that was all Him. Okay, just to give me an example, I want to be a mirror for Him. I'm not going to soak that in in a sense that, yeah, I did preach a good word. You're right. You got that right. No, I'm going to say, oh, nope, that's all him. Because without him, it would just be man's enticing words. Sorry, I got a little off there. But, but understanding that we are created to reflect his image, we understand that the purpose for our life and work, which I'll touch back on in just a minute or two, there are so many things 
that are pulling on the generations that sit before me here today. There are some generations that are, that are younger than me that sit in here, and there are some that, that are older than me that sit in here, but all of us, every generation has something that is trying to pull them away. There are these ideologies, if you will, and whatnot, that, that are attempting to tell the world they can find purpose outside of God. But let me tell somebody that there will always be a void. There will always be that God-sized void there that only God can fill. There will always be that void there that unless you fill it with God, it will always remain empty. But we as the church, hear me, should heed to the Word and what the Word says about His image that we are to reflect. We must find our purpose in Him. You have purpose in Him. You may not know it, Ned. You may not understand it yet, but each of you sitting before me, and I'm not going to point to every one of you, but all of you have a purpose in the kingdom. All of you have a purpose in Him. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2.10, Paul writes, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in Him. And again, in Galatians 2.20, Paul writes, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lived in me. And the life I live, which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me, And since he gave himself for us, oh, we can glorify him daily. We should glorify him daily, both in how we think, both in what we do, both in how we act, and all of these things, in everything we do, with every ounce of our being. And may everything we do be that which brings him glory. Why? Because we are created for his glory. He created us for His glory. We were made to bring glory to Him. We glorify God because we can do nothing apart from Him. In everything we do, we should first be giving Him glory for it. It doesn't matter how big or how small, because let me tell somebody, God deserves it all. Realizing that without Him, we have no being gives Him glory. Realizing that we can't go a day without His presence gives Him glory. Realizing further that we were molded by Him. And as we read, formed from the very dust of the ground, as I see it literally in the hands of God as His workmanship, oh, realizing that gives Him glory, saying, Oh Lord, I know You formed me from the dust of the ground. I know dust I became and dust I shall return. But here as You formed me and continue to mold me, I'm going to give You glory. And I thank You for creating me me in your image. Lord, I give you glory in everything I do, with every step that I take, with everything that I am. There's a number of times where Scripture refers to God as the potter and we as the clay, which gives us this beautiful picture of this formation in us and how He keeps working on us. And with that in mind, it is ever so important that we stay on that potter's wheel. 
You'll see on the screen behind me the potter's wheel. It's ever so important that we stay there and with his hands around us, with his hands continuing to form us. The wheel is where things get worked out and where things get worked in. The wheel is where those perfections are smoothed out. The wheel is where the shaping and the molding continues. We must stay in his hands. I don't think you heard me. We must stay in his hands. We must stay malleable. We must stay moldable so that he can continue to work out those things that need worked out and to work in those things that need worked in, to patch the holes that need patched up, to to add the water where the water's added so he can smooth things out. Oh, hallelujah. Stay on the wheel. And church, it's, not, it's, it's only when you stay on the potter's wheel that change continues, that change happens. It's only as you stay with Jesus, as you stay close to Him, that He can continue to mold you into who He desires you to be. I know there are some people here today that desire to continue to be molded by Him. I know there are some people here today that desire to be used by Him and be that vessel for Him, to remain in Him, to be used by Him for His glory and everything you do thereof to bring Him glory. One can put two and two together to realize that if I don't stay close to Him, then how can I be used by Him? If I don't stay in relationship with Him, how can I expect to be used by Him? If I let these things over here get in my way, or or these distractions, I understand distractions happen, okay? But if, if I let these distractions stay where there are, so much as they build a wall here between me and God, but I still desire to be used by Him, what do I have to do to get back to Him? I've got to get rid of those distractions. I've got, to, I've got to knock down those things and run toward Jesus as fast as I can run withholding nothing. Jesus addressed this, this being close to him in one of the most direct ways as, as he usually does in his Sermon on the Mount. This is one of my, my, my favorite parts of it, if you will. Um, now watch this. Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of man. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Jesus provides this salt to us. We intake this salt, this, this savor. We keep this salt and further keep that savor and only do so by staying with Jesus and staying close to Jesus, by staying in that covenant with Him, by staying in that relationship with him. Jesus was speaking here to, to be salt to the earth, but then immediately asked the question, what good is salt 
if it's lost its savor. What good is salt without being salty? It wouldn't be salt at all. It would be good for nothing. A harsh but true reality, but further trodden under feet, underfoot. When we stay with him and keep that salt which he provides and tells us to share with others, the salt, again, serves as an element of preservation, protection, and enhancement. Preserving those who stay in it, those who are covered by it, protecting those who stay in it from the grime or, or the, maybe the filth of the world, from those things that can deter that I talked about moments ago, and further enhancing, enhancing flavor. Colossians 4, 6, Paul writes, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. In a world that seems to be bland, Jesus calls you to be that salt in the world. The world without Jesus, without this salt that we have as we are with him, is without hope. The world without it is without hope. It is without a future. It is without a purpose. Oh, that the born-again believer who has experienced the hope and healing promise through Jesus Christ, who has been made new, would point the world to that hope that can only be found in him, would share that with others. And to bring this all around again, we must stay close to Jesus to keep that savor, to keep that salt. And while it may sound a bit funny, it's true. We must stay salty. Not according to what the world defines as such, but what Jesus defines here as such, what I just stated, being salt to the world, seasoning the world with the good news, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, sharing what, God, what Jesus first gave you with others. But let me just remind you, in case you need it today, that salt can lose its saltiness. Saltiness is destroyed, it's diluted, by worldliness. Worldliness becomes more attractive the further you get away from Jesus. On the other hand, worldliness becomes less attractive the closer you get to Jesus, the more you choose to stay with Him. He's desiring you to do so today, tomorrow, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and back to Sunday again, at all times, in all things. What's more, your light can shine bright, but too, only as you stay with Him. When Jesus says, what good is a light if you hide it under a bushel, that bushel can be anything from, from those distractions to those things that cause you to maybe walk away, that hide that light. I'm gonna, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe you're trying to hide that with certain things, but you need to remove those things so that God can first implant it back in you, but that's so you can again share that light with others. We must remain the light. We are called to be the light to the world. That can only come as we daily connect with Him, as we grow in our faith in Him, as we choose to serve others and further lead others to do the same. Paul contrasts the believer with the unbeliever in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. So I want to press into you today, for you were sometimes darkness, 
But now are ye light in the world. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. If it weren't for His light shining through someone, I know I've shared this a lot, but if it weren't for someone shining their light to me into my darkness, illuminating the way that I should go, I would not have the saving knowledge of the Gospel. You would not have that saving knowledge of the Gospel. In my experience, I was reading His Word. I was in a very dark and lonely place in my life with literally nothing left to hold on to. But it wasn't until the born-again believer reached out to me to tell me like it is. And I think I can speak for a lot of you when I say that I'm thankful for that someone who was carrying their light out for all to see and not hiding it under a bushel or a basket, but were carrying it rather for others to see. And if you know, if you, if you are now in the light, then, then you too should hold it for all the world to see. Wherever you go, whatever you do, whoever you cross paths with, let your light so shine for all the world to see. Share that with others. You know, I believe God showed me something on this that I want to share, and that is the aspect of fellowship with one another. As I stated moments ago, there, there is this tug, there is this pull from the world. In fact, there are more tugs than one might think, than one might be aware of. And the tug I felt to address today is, to tug, is the tug to, to give up and go away. If you feel that tug to go away, God is telling you to stay. He wants you to stay. You may not feel it every Sunday, but stay anyway. You may not feel like praying, but pray anyway. You may not feel like worshiping, but worship anyway. You may not feel like coming to church, but come anyway. Oh, you may not feel like reading the Word, but read it anyway. And to that, let me just speak from some experience. Is that alright? I've experienced those times where I didn't feel like staying, but I stayed anyway. And God stepped in. There have been those days where I didn't feel like praying, just being transparent, but I did anyway. And those have turned into some of the best times of prayer that I've ever had. There have been days where I didn't feel like worshiping, but I worshiped anyway. And you guessed it, God swept me off my feet as I began to worship. There have even been days where I could have just stayed home and not come in fellowship, not come to church. And I understand that there are times where you need to. I get that. I'm not talking about those things. But I'm speaking to those times in the flesh where we just don't feel it. Maybe we feel disconnected or whatever. Even if you don't feel it, come anyway. Come to the house of the Lord. I know He has something great in store for you. Furthermore, I know He wants to meet you here. I know He alone can do exceeding abundant above all we could ever ask or think. Do you believe that? Church, the devil, the enemy of our souls, wants nothing more than to see you in isolation. He wants nothing more than for you to try to climb those mountains and trials on your own. 
He wants nothing more than for you to think that no one, that nothing can help you, that you are beyond any help. You may have found yourself in to, uh, given into that beyond help mindset, but let me introduce to you the one, hear me, you may have found yourself on an island. You may have put yourself on an island. Any ever, anybody ever put themselves on an island where you thought, nah, nobody can relate to me? Let me introduce you to the one that walks on water. The one who can still get to you even if you've put yourself on that island where you said, well, I'm not alone. Nobody can help me. But here Jesus comes on the scene, the one who calms the waves, the one who calms the storms, the one that says, be still, and they be still, the one who, who parted the waters for people to escape, the one who can do the same for you to get you off of that island and back to where you need to be. Part of this staying with Jesus is that of being in fellowship with other believers. In fellowship, in this fellowship with other believers, I liken that unto each of us having a set of building blocks, Lincoln locks, Legos, whatever you have. My son loves Legos. We have way too many. We have a lot of them at home. And let's say I walk up to Brother Tim here, and I, and I tell Tim, man, bro, I, I've had a really rough week. And I just wish... This would have happened, or and this wouldn't have happened. I can't believe this happened. I've just been struggling this week. And Tim responds in such a way as to encourage me to keep going, to keep pressing, to keep seeking. You see what Tim just did there? He added a block to the building that God is building. In that sense, when we come together in fellowship and build each other up in the faith as we are commanded to do so, we encourage one another to keep going as we are commanded to do so. You see, encouragement means to do just that. It means to edify. It means to build upon. And two, as I stated moments ago, the enemy wants to isolate you because he knows there is strength in fellowship. He knows that if you come together that there's going to be some building up in the house. He knows that there is going to be some edification happening in the house of the Lord. He knows that there are going to be some, some, there's going to be some faith strengthened in the house. But two, Jesus created us to be in fellowship with one another so we would stay, so we would stay with him. So we would stay together with those of like-minded, precious faith. But if I may, allow me to reveal some of those benefits I have felt a check in me to share with you. The first, fellowship builds friendships. The early church had such good relationships with one another because of their commitment to Jesus and to each other. Fellowship builds unity. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, make every effort to keep the unity in the bond of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, someone tell me, if the Lord is interested in the unity of the church, shouldn't we be too? We as the church are called to maintain that. Not usurp, not undermined, not take it out of context, but to maintain the unity. So much so that we are to be zealous for it, allowing nothing to hinder us from striving in this, for this, the unity 
of the church. This unity that demands constant attention, keeping it and guarding it. But hear me, church, we cannot manufacture unity. We cannot make unity. We can only keep it. We can only guard it. We can only protect it. Can, some, can anybody tell me what the opposite of unity is? There's disunity and there's division. Division is a product of the enemy. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes, remember, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. In the book of Proverbs chapter 6, we read of six things that God hates, seven which are an abomination, and one of those are he that sows discord among the brethren. I, I know we may have our differences here and there, and we might have some disagreements here and there, but there's an altar for that. But it, that would not get to the point uh, to sowing discord about one another, but that we would still strive, still have that zeal, still be zealous, still constantly seek to keep the spirit of the unity of the faith. We must remain united. We must remain in one accord before the Lord. And if you have come here today, and you have felt in such a way a lack of unity, a lack of fellowship, or you have come here today and you feel alone, maybe you found yourself in a lonely place, I want to tell somebody that you're not alone. That God is never going to be the one that leaves you, for He is with you always. And can I tell somebody else too that this is just my testimony, but there have been times where I've felt alone, where I've put myself on the island, and then I just so happened to get a phone call from somebody saying, hey, bro, how you doing? And I may not be able to get a workout. But they're there listening. If you feel that, hear me that, that God knows, and I believe God uses others. To do, maybe God is using you to do that for somebody else. Maybe you've ignored that for some time, but allow God to use you in that too. This brings me to being restored. Because church, God is desiring to restore you today. God is desiring to fill you up today. He's desiring to make all things new and wants to do so in you today. God is desiring to reside right here in the midst of you but that desire has to come from you too. You have to desire that for yourself. You have to desire to be filled, and, and as you desire to be filled, then I believe that today is that day for you. Today is that day for you, that God can fill you today. If you've come here today feeling empty or just worn out, God wants to make you new today. He wants to restore you today. He's desiring to restore you, but this restoration is a process. It's a transformation. It's like that of the wineskin, or in order for that wineskin to be filled up again with new wine, the old wineskin, it first had to be emptied. If the old wineskin were to be filled up with new wine without being emptied in the process thereof, then it would have burst and it would not be able to contain it. There are times that you desire to be filled, but hear me in the Holy Ghost. As the Scriptures have said, you first have to be emptied of yourself. 
You have to empty yourself of that which is not of Him. And that emptying comes through repenting. That emptying comes through repenting where you're walking one way or you're doing certain things and repenting is turning the opposite way and further turning back to the Lord. God wants to fill you up, but empty yourself. Empty yourself out before Him. Saying, God, I'm sorry. And whether or not you can list those things out to God, not to say that you have to necessarily, or as you are praying, God, maybe show you certain things that you know, maybe you need to repent of, but, but God wants to fill you up. So you first have to be emptied. In the story of the prodigal son, we read that the prodigal son left his father shortly after receiving his inheritance. He thought, now I have everything I need. I don't need to stay under the care of my father. I can finally go. So he left and went to live riotously, as the scripture says. He went to live out what he thought was the best life. But then, church, then he was left with nothing. It was good for a while, but then he was left with nothing. He, he spent his entire inheritance. Everything that he had was gone. He was left with nothing. He was left with nothing, but hear me. He wasn't left with nothing. He still had his father. His father still thought about him. His father was still wondering, I wonder when my son's going to come home. He didn't give up hope. There's a moment for the, pro for the prodigal where the Bible says he came to himself saying, Whoa! What am I doing here? I gotta get myself right again. I gotta, I gotta make a change. I gotta fix this stuff. Remember that, that he was emptied. But with that emptiness came a hunger. <laughs> he was hungry and he knew where that hunger could be filled. It could be filled in the Father. He was hungry, but he knew where he could be filled again. And his father, when he saw him, didn't just meander over to him. No, when he saw his son, he ran! He said, son, you're back! You see, the father is running toward you. You've got to start running toward him again, too. You know, you may be left with nothing here today. You may have emptied yourself of everything. You may have expended all the efforts. But as you make your way back to the father, so the father runs his way toward you with open arms, and he squeezes you, and he says, Welcome home, son. Welcome home, daughter. I've missed you. Let me fill you up again. Someone hear me in the Holy Ghost. You may feel like you can't come back to God again. You may feel like you are too far gone. Like you're not worthy. But God is desiring you. He desires you to come to Him. To make your way back home. To make your way back into His presence. He wants to fill you up today. He wants to refill you here today. He wants to restore you here today. You may have emptied yourself of everything, but God is here to restore you. He's here to renew you, and He's here to refill you. 
as the wineskin, we look to the wine dresser, the one who is able, who knows how to work those impurities out, the one who maybe emptied us to begin with, as we emptied us, but, but he's not going to leave you empty. He's going to fill you up again. He knows when you're ready. But the last thing he wants for you to do is to get discouraged. Well, I haven't been filled yet. I'm not sure I'm ever going to be. Don't give in to that discouragement. God wants to fill you. Allow him to do it in his time. Allow him to work some things out if they need worked out. Keep allowing him to press out those things and press into you those good things. God, in his mercy, wants to create a clean heart and renew a right spirit within you. Do you desire that from him? And since he desires that for you, so you desire that from him saying, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Everything that I am, I want to find in you. Purge me with hyssop, the Bible says. Cleanse me. Cast me not away from your presence. I've been there for too long. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. I'm sorry, Lord. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I want to come back to you, Jesus. And uphold me with your free spirit. I'm not going anywhere, Lord. Here I am, God. Fill me up again. I'm going to put those things aside. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Clean, clean me out. Oh God, so that you can enter in. So today, today, if you've made your way here empty, broken, in shambles, in a mess, God is here to meet you here today. To remind you that He made you in His image. To remind you that you were created for His purpose Oh, you may not have chosen to stay before, but it's time to come home and further. God is here to fill you today. If you've made yourself here today and you desire to be filled with His Spirit, He is here to meet that desire. He desires to fill you up today. If that is you here today, why don't you lift... In fact, why don't we all lift our hands all over this place and stand with me as we close out this first word together. Because I believe we all maybe need to be refilled, if just for a moment, to be cleansed and made new again. Go ahead and pray to the Lord, saying, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew your spirit within me. Fill me up today, oh God. Refill me today, oh God. Refill me with your spirit. Refill me with your joy. Refill me with your love. Show me your love. I know you love me. I know you love me, Lord. I know you'll fill me, oh God. I am praying in expectation. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. You are awesome, oh God. I'm so sorry, Lord. If you need to tell him you're sorry, tell him you're sorry now and lift those voices saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the things that I've done. Take, you, you can take them away, oh God, because I want to draw closer to you. I want to draw closer to you at this very moment withholding nothing I'll leave these other things behind and I'll run to you and I see you running to me oh God hallelujah hallelujah fill me up today go ahead keep praying all over this place hallelujah 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 
Hallelujah. Allow God to fill you up. Allow Him to refill you. If it's been a while since you've been filled, His precious Spirit is in the house today for you. Be restored today. Today is the day of salvation. Right now is the accepted time. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, hear me. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. Come home. It doesn't matter what you've dabbled in with this week or last week. God is desiring a relationship with you. God is desiring to make you clean to make you whole in Jesus name in Jesus name come on let's close out this time we have together in some praise and worship to the King of Kings in some glory to the King of Kings we glorify you oh God we lift you up oh God hallelujah hallelujah yes Lord yes Lord Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, I know we're ending here, but that doesn't mean we have to end. We can keep praying. We've got 10 minutes here that we can just have some prayer here for just a moment. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. Yay, hallelujah. Hallelujah.